0: Well, come on, Anchor Ben, let's take a moment and give Jesus a shout that only a king is worthy of. Come on, he is worthy of all the glory, he is worthy of all the honor, and he is worthy of all the adoration. Y'all, I'm so excited to be able to be with you guys here today. And let me just take a moment and say to all the dads, happy, happy Father's Day. Seriously, we're so grateful for you guys. And I know that sometimes being a dad can be quite challenging because you have these moments where you're like, is the investments I am doing ultimately making a difference? And you know, that verse um, in the Bible says, train up a child in the way that they should go and they will not depart from it. And I know that I am a product of that verse. When I was running away from God, God, my dad continued to pray for me and ultimately invested me. And I am here today because of that. And let me just say the investment that you are placing into into your kids, even if it doesn't seem like it makes a difference, it is making a difference. You're doing better than you think you are. But hey, before we jump in today, I just want to take a moment and thank two very special people, and that's your pastors, Pastors Jim and Phyllis Kiles. Come on, aren't you grateful for your pastors? Man, I met Pastor Jim about two years ago, and it's been so amazing seeing everything that God has done in his life. And I mean, come on, in September, y'all are going Permanent. That's absolutely incredible. You'll be going in your first campus, and I say first strategically because it's definitely not going to be your last. Come on, God is working in such a phenomenal way, and for those of you who have given so generously, thank you. And for those of you who haven't, all we ask you to do is ask God what He will have you do, and then do whatever He tells you. But actually, ask Him. Ask Him. Get in on it. Ultimately, God is going to come, and He's going to impact so many people, and you want to get in on what God is going to do. But I absolutely love Pastor Jim. And let me just say, if you're, this is your first time here, you owe it to yourself to come back and hear a phenomenal communicator of the gospel. Come on, he brings it every single week. And some of you guys may not know this, but as Pastor Ashley said, I'm from Hope City, And we've been going for about six years, and I don't believe Hope City would be what it is today if it wasn't for pastors Jim and Phyllis, because what you guys don't know is that often you guys would come and you would do church on a Sunday, you would set up, and then you would tear down. And six years ago, before Hope City even started, we were doing vision nights, and your team will take all the gear, and it took it to our vision nights, set it up, showed us, this is how you plug in a cable, this is how you need to do this. this. He was so giving with everything, and we are where we are today as a result of your church. So... I'm just so grateful to be able to be here and to be able to serve you guys, but hey, if we've never met before, my name is Brad, and uh, I get the honor and privilege of serving at the team at Hope City along with my wife, Paige, and together we have two incredible kids. I tried to check him in, into kids' ministry today, but for some reason, your team wouldn't let me, so I brought a picture instead. These are my kids. <laughs> Some my babies. Uh, that is my wife, Paige. That is me, believe it or not. I got into a fight with some uh, hair bleach and it won. Um, but then I have my dogs, Sushi on the left and Saki on the right. I know, uh, right? We are those weird people that uh, named our dogs after raw fish and rice. Which is probably more than you want to know about me. I'm, I'm a dog dad. That's the kind of dad that I'm a. Guys, that's hard. It's tough in these streets. I'm a dog dad. But... Um, We're excited. Are you guys excited for the word? Me too, man. Here's why. I truly believe that anytime the people of God gather for the word of God, something begins to shift. One of the things I've learned in my life is this. Your expectation determines your revelation. Your expectation determines your revelation. So if you expect much, you'll receive much. But if you expect little, you'll receive little. So my question for you today is this. Are you expectant? Come on, are you expectant? Great, because if you are, I need you to do me a favor and I need you to prepare your area. I need you to find yourself a neighbor and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. Find yourself a neighbor, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Find the other neighbor, your second option, and say, get ready, get ready, get ready. But if you have your Bibles, I want you to open up to First Samuel 16. First Samuel 16. And today I truly feel sent on assignment to talk to anyone who is in this place And you find yourself waiting. And I don't know what it is that you're waiting on. It might be something in your life. It might be something in your family. It might be something in your job. And I truly believe as I was praying that there are some people here today and you feel like God has put so much potential inside of you. But every time you try to step out for God, the enemy comes against you and says, be quiet, sit down. You'll never do anything great for God. And you're waiting and you're saying, God, will you ever... Use me, there's someone here and you feel like your marriage might have gone cold and you're saying, God, will it ever go back to the way it was? Well, some of you are waiting for God to do something in your workplace and you feel so overlooked and you're saying, God, will anyone ever see me? Well, someone else, maybe it's your kids that are going crazy and you're saying, God, when when will they come back to you? Maybe it's an addiction. I don't know what it is that you're waiting on. Like I said, there may be some married people and you're like, God, when are we gonna be able to have that same passion that we once had? And you're like, I just feel like I'm waiting. And there's someone else and you know, you're you dating someone and you're like, God, when will he propose? Like, this is taking forever. Does he not know what I, can he not see me? I mean, Jesus, come, I mean, come on. And you're like, God, when is this gonna while well, there's some people, and, and maybe you're single, and you're like, God, when is my person coming? Like, if I have to watch The Notebook by myself one more time, I don't know if I can do it again by myself, and you're waiting. Here's the thing, I don't know what it is that you're waiting on here today. But if there's one thing I've learned in my life, it's this. We're all waiting on something. Give me enough time, and I'll hit every single person in this room, because we're all waiting, waiting On that pregnancy to finally come. Waiting on that miracle to finally come through. Waiting for the promise that God had for you to ultimately pay off. What are you waiting on? You see, because what I want to be able to talk about today is from this subject, we're all in a waiting season, a middle season. And I want to give you the secret to the middle. I wanna give you the secret to that waiting season. God, if I'm gonna wait, what am I supposed to do in that season? I wanna give you that secret to the middle. And I truly believe that God wants to speak with such specificity that you may have walked in here one way, but I declare in the name of Jesus, no matter how you walked in here, that you will leave here different, in Jesus' name, with new perspective, in Jesus' name, with the new anointing, in Jesus' name, with the new dream, in Jesus' name. In the scripture, let me give you some context as to what's happening in 1 Samuel 16. There is a king by the name of Saul and he has been rejected by God because of his impatience because he was unwilling to wait. So God rises up, raises up the prophet Samuel and says, I need you to go to Jesse's house because I have anointed one of his sons to be king. So Samuel goes and he waltzes over to Jesse's house and he says, Jesse, that's the way I think he talks. Jesse, God has anointed one of your sons to be king. He's like, dope, So he's like, line them up. So they line up all the kids in front of Samuel. And as they pass, God says, this isn't the one. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. This isn't the one. Until supposedly all the sons have passed by Samuel. Now Samuel's confused. Because he's like, God, I thought you said that. And they've all come in. So that's where we pick it up. Pick it up in verse 11. And it says this, so Samuel asked, so Je- so Samuel asked Jesse, Jesse, again, it's just, it's just the, the real preacher will be back next week. Y'all just need to work with me up here. Jesse, are these all the sons you have? They are still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he is tending the sheep. Question, have you ever felt like you're not good enough to make the lineup? I mean, let's talk about it. Have you ever felt like you're not good enough to make the lineup? I mean, it's one thing to be picked last. It's another thing to not even have the opportunity to be picked. And some of you are in here today and you feel so insignificant. You feel so left out. You feel like no one can see you. God can't see you. Let me just say this. Just because you're not in the lineup doesn't mean God doesn't have something lined up. Come on, just because you've been looked over it doesn't mean you've been left out because you may have been forgotten by man, but you have never been forgotten by God. Just because you're not in the lineup So, Samuel says, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. He's going to get a standing ovation. Verse 12. So he sent for him and had him brought in, and he was glowing with health. It's literally what the Bible says. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance, a fine appearance, and handsome features. Yo, let me just say when the Bible says you're good looking, (laughs) you're good looking. Like, no one can say anything about it. Some of y'all did not even know that was in the Bible, and, and, and you're writing that down because you're like, I'm going to declare that in Jesus' name. Lord, give me a man who is glowing with health and has a fine appearance and handsome features. God, I'm just trying to be biblical up in this place. That's what I want. That's my notebook, man, that I'm going to watch the notebook with. Okay. Okay. <laughs> So the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully on David. And then Samuel went to Ramah. And verse 14 says, and then David went to Jerusalem where he became king. Yes? No? Who said no? No, that's not what, that's not what happened. (laughs) Pastor Jim, I am so sorry. That's not what, that's not what, are you sure? Do y'all have, I'm so sorry. This is, sir, sir, it's you and me. We're just talking right over here. Uh, What version are you reading out of? Is it the NIV? Is that, is that the, is the N, the the ESV. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Okay, I got it. I'm Y'all, I'm so sorry. I wasn't reading out of the ESV. I was reading out of the MPPV, the My Personal Preference Version. Come on, the way that my life is supposed to work out, where God starts speaking things into my life, and I just get to walk right in them, God is like, ooh, you are going to get healed. And I'm like, ooh, thank you, Jesus. It's going to happen tomorrow. You're going to get that promotion. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. It's going to happen tomorrow. I'm going to restore your family. Ooh. Thank you, Jesus. It's going to happen tomorrow. (laughs) How many of you know life doesn't work that way? Life doesn't work that way. You need to know this. Just because I'm not there yet doesn't mean I'm not on my way. Come on, God is still working in your situation. Just because you're not there yet doesn't mean you're not on your way. Don't build a house where God has told you to pitch a tent. He is still working in your situation. But okay, I'll read your version. <laughs> I'll read your version. Okay, so verse 14 says, Now the spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul. Y'all see that? Okay, so we're talking about David, and then all of a sudden we start talking about Saul. It's kind of weird how the Bible does that, it. it like jumps from one event to the next. And I'm like, Where's David? We were talking about David. I don't care about Saul. We're talking about David. Where's David? If you keep reading, you will find David in verse 19. And you know where you'll find him? In the shepherd's field. So y'all get this. What happened was he was called out of the shepherd's field, and then he was anointed to be king of Israel, and then he was sent back to the shepherd's field. That feels a little bit more like life. Come on, you have this mountaintop experience with God and God, thank you for what you're gonna do. And then Monday comes and kicks you in the teeth. Just me, like it comes and it kicks you in the teeth. You're like, God, what is going on? When is that gonna happen? You need to know something that the Bible progresses quickly, right? Often it can jump from one story to the next. So in verse 13, something was happening and in verse 14, something else was happening. The verses and the chapters that exist in the Bible, we put them there. Okay, we we were like, this is this verse, this is this verse. We put them there. So in verse 13, something is happening. But in verse 14, something else is happening. In verse 13, God is promising something over David's life. In verse 14, God is moving on that promise. So in verse 13, we have the promise. In verse 14, we have the payoff. But what most people don't understand is that in between verse 13 and 14, there were years... It wasn't one situation. There was years, and I think, if I'm honest, I found that that is so like my life because most of my life, I'm not spending it in verse 13, where God is just promising things over my life, and my life isn't spent in verse 14, where God is just always moving forward on His promises. Most of my life is not spent in verse 13 or 14. Most of my life is spent somewhere in the middle. Somewhere in the middle, while I'm waiting, most of my life is spent on the path from the promise to the payoff. You see, the path to the promise is painful. You see, we want the promise without the pain. But it doesn't work that way. We have to go through seasons of pain. But what you need to know is just because it's painful doesn't mean God's not present. Just because it's painful doesn't mean God's not present. He is working in your life. He is doing things in your life. So we get to this place where we say, God, why is this taking so long? Why am I still here? When will you move? When will you come through? When will this end? Why, when, where, how? What are you waiting on today? Who are you waiting on? Let me just say something. The middle is critical. In fact, your success and failure in life will often depend what you do in the middle. If you don't believe me, ask Saul. Saul was anointed and called by God, but he was rejected by God because of his impatience, because he was unwilling to wait. What season in your life are you about to prolong? Because like Saul, you're unwilling to wait. Just wait. But Brad, waiting's hard. Waiting's hard. I don't like to wait. Y'all, I get it. I don't like to wait either. Like, I don't like waiting in lines. Come on, let's talk about it. I don't like waiting in lines. I don't like waiting at Starbucks for my iced frappuccino with extra whipped cream and three splendor. That's not my order. I don't like waiting for any of those things. Houston traffic. <laughs> my gosh, I do not like waiting in traffic. I-10. My gosh. It's almost like at five o'clock when everyone's going crazy, the Holy Spirit is like, I'm out. And then everything just gets crazy and people are just honking and just blessing you and just like, bless you brother. And you're like, what is going on? And then at like seven o'clock, the Holy Spirit comes and He's like, peace. And all of a sudden, (laughs) all of a sudden everything's like, yo, I don't like waiting in traffic. I'm from South Africa. At South Africa, we ride elephants everywhere. That's not true. I just lied to you. I'm sorry. Some of you were wondering, though, if that was the case. It's not the case. We drive cars in South Africa. It happens. I don't like waiting. My mom used to notice about me uh, because when I was growing, well, even now, um, one of the things you need to know about me is I like to pre-eat. Which means I like to eat before I eat. (laughs) All the dads in this house, you're like, yes. I like to eat before I eat in such a way that if, you know, my wife and I are going somewhere for dinner And, you know, we're going to go hang out with friends and things like that. And I'm all ready and I'm like getting ready to go. My wife will say, hey, love, can you eat? And I'm like, that's kind of where we're going. She's like, no, 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 I need you to eat before you eat. And I say, why? And she says, because you'll embarrass me. She's like, the way you eat is crazy. You're going to embarrass. I need you to eat before you eat. Okay, it's a little little pre-eating. Right now, I used to do that as a kid as well. I was always trying to get me some food. So when I was like five years old, my mom would be cooking and she'd be doing her thing. And I would always try and sneak over to grab some food, right? Some of y'all know, you do this to your wife all the time when she's cooking. And I was trying to come over. And my mom was like, no, 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 come here, come here. And she like pulled me. She didn't pull my ear, you know. She's a loving parent. And she was like, Brad, I need you to wait here. Have y'all ever seen a five-year-old wait? Yeah, me neither. So <laughs> she'd be like, Brad, I need you to wait here. And I'm like, yes. She's not looking. I'm like, start sliding. You know what I'm saying? Start sliding. She's like, Brad, sorry. Wait here. Mm-hmm. Come on, some of y'all are trying to back up into a blessing. You know what I'm saying? She's like, Brad. It was, I did it all the time. She used to get so frustrated. The only funny thing about that is that's exactly what we do with God. Brad, wait here. Yes, Jesus. Brett, sorry. Wait here. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna try... This over here. No, 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 Brad, that's not yours. It's fine. I know what I'm doing. No, 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 Brad, don't take it. It's fine. I don't, it's fine. It doesn't matter. It's fine. It's fine. Brad, don't touch it. No, 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 it's fine. It's going to be fine. Brad, don't touch that. God, but why? Why am I always waiting? God, I thought we'd be there by now. God, I thought this would be over by now. God, I thought I'd be healed by now. God, I thought my marriage would be good by now. God, I thought my relationships would be fine by now. So I start trying to take things before their time. And I start trying to take things that aren't even mine. (laughs) You're like, Brad, Brad, you don't understand. She's my cheerleader. Like, she's amazing. She's like, oh my gosh, go Samuel. And you're like, she's amazing. Okay, here's the thing. I get that she may be a gift, but she may not be your gift. So stop trying to treat her like she is your gift until you put a ring on that. Okay, I'm coming over here. Y'all don't like me. <laughs> wait, but I don't want to wait. Wait, God, that makes no sense. Wait, no one else had a wait. David did. And if David had a wait, so do you. So do I. Better yet, Jesus did. Luke two, fifty-two. Jesus had to grow in wisdom and stature with both God and man. Pop quiz was Jesus any less God at five? Nope. Any less God at ten? No. Fifteen? No. Twenty. No. Twenty-five. No. Thirty. No. Wait. Wait. James 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Could it be that this waiting season is a preparation season to produce in you the fruit of perseverance? God is wanting to bring you through something that you can be mature and complete, not lacking anything. But we don't like waiting. Like why save up to buy something I can't afford when I can put something I can't afford on my credit card right now? Whew. Hello. Like we don't even need to wait for the show to come on TV next week because I can go on Netflix and watch it all right now. One of my favorite uh, TV channels is called HGTV, okay? Okay. It's like home improvement stuff. And one of my favorite shows is Extreme Makeover, Home Improvement. I'm like, I love that. And I was thinking about it, I was like, why do I like it so much? And and what I realized is, I really like watching things go from really, really, really bad to really, really, really good, really, 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 really quick. You know what I'm saying? Like before, after, and you're like, oh my gosh, that's amazing. And what I realized is that I like seeing the results while skipping the process. I like skipping the whole process to get the result, but then I get confused when my marriage doesn't work that way. I get confused when my job doesn't work that way. I get confused when life doesn't work that way. Because we serve a God who does everything in process. Say process. Everything, look at how a baby is formed, process. Look at how a tree is grown, process. But so often in life, we try to, Abort the process. We try and not go through it, but what you need to understand is that when you abort the process, you forfeit the promise. We need to wait. How many of you have a kid over 16? Lift up your hand. Over 16. Sir, what's your kid's name? You got three over 16? Give me one. Marlon. What's up, Marlon? It's good to see you. So, Marlon, how old are you? Sixteen. Okay, Marlon, let's just imagine we were hanging at church at Anchor Bend, and I would have come up to you and say, "Marlon, congratulations! Because today you are getting a car." You'd be like, "What? That's amazing! I like this Brad guy. We to, this Brad guy's cool. I like this Brad guy. This Brad guy's amazing, right?" You'd be like, "That's a pretty good gift. He just gave me a car." How many of you have a six-year-old? Okay. What's your six-year-old's name? Jasmine. Jasmine? Yeah. That's a phenomenal name. So let's let's say that I were to come and say, "Okay, today is your lucky day because we are giving her a car." You'd be like, "What?" And then I'll put her in that car and then put her on I-10 around right about five o'clock where the Holy Spirit says I'm out, and then I'm like, "Okay, go for gold." you will be like, "I don't like that brat guy." Like that brat guy is mean. Here's the thing: it's the same gift. So what does God understand that I don't? My mom would cook and the cooking was great, but if I ate that food before it was ready, the food that was supposed to be nutritious to me would actually harm me. Brad, what are you saying? I'm saying that a gift given too soon is no longer a gift, but it is in fact a curse. A gift given too soon is in fact a curse. So God is saying, I'm gonna be, you need to be waiting. I'm gonna be taking you through this process. And what I found in my life is that the things God loves, he hides until the appointed time. Brad, I feel like no one can see me. I feel like I'm in the dark. It's a great thing because God does his best development in the dark. It's where he developed David. He's working in your situation, and there'll come a moment where God will announce you, and what God announces, no man can deny You don't have to walk around trying to prove your gift. You don't have to try around proving who you are because God has already spoken, but He does His best development in the dark. As you go through your waiting seasons, there's a couple of tests you'll face. One of the tests is the test of identity. David had to go through a season of obscurity, a season where no one saw him, where he was anointed to be something but wasn't allowed to step into it. How are you in the lonely seasons? How are you in the obscure seasons? Two years ago, I got off social media because I realized that I was using social media to build something within me that I felt like I needed only to find that it could never fulfill what I wanted it to fulfill. It was like drinking salt water. And the more I drank it, the thirstier I became. And I said, God, I don't wanna do this. I need to get right here first. And that season of obscurity was the best thing for me. I used to care so much about what you thought. I used to care so much. Now I'm not saying I'm completely free from it, but God started setting me free in a season of obscurity. It'll test your identity. Another thing that it will test is, it will test your gratitude. Look at the Israelites. A trip that should have taken seven days took 40 years because of their gratitude and their lack thereof. What season in life are you about to prolong because like the Israelites, we can't get a hold of our mouth. We can be like the Israelites who complain, or we can be like David, who in the hardest season said, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He leads me on the path of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear No evil, for you are with me. It will also test your character. See, David went from being anointed to being king, and in verse 17, God started doing something. But what he started doing is he started moving that David can start serving Saul. So he went from being anointed to be king to serving the king. Ever had someone in your position? Ever had someone in the position that you wanted? My question is this, will your character survive? Or can you not even compliment them? Because somehow complimenting them takes something away from you. It'll test you. And the reason I'm saying all of this today, the, the reason I'm speaking this is not because I was just like, this will be a cool idea. This will be amazing. The reason I'm saying this is because this was not, Just the message I came up with, this was a message I had to live. You see, I've been married to my wife for four years. We just passed our fourth anniversary, and it's been amazing and fun and incredible. But the first two years of our marriage was not easy. You see, my wife and I, we got married, and it was amazing. It was incredible. The wedding was awesome. And then we went to Jamaica for honeymoon, y'all. I picked up 10 pounds because I ate so much jerk chicken, and I wasn't even mad about it. I was like, the Lord has provided the jerk chicken and I shall eat it. Um, And I ate it all and it was amazing. And then we had a layover here in Houston and I remember flying and we're going through passport control and I had some officers approach me and say, sir, will you be able to come with me? And I was like, dope. I was like, baby, catch you later. And I did not know how long that later would be because they said something to me that I never thought I'd hear. They said, sir, there's some technicalities and some problems with your visa and I'm sorry, but we're gonna have to send you back to South Africa. And they said, don't worry though, it will just take a couple of weeks. And I said, can I talk to my wife? And they said, no. And I said, well, what, do I, what can I do? And they were like, we'll, we'll give you one phone call. So I call her and I'm like, babe, it's gonna be okay. They said, it's only gonna take a couple of weeks. I'm kind of like, this is gonna be hilarious. Like, can you imagine this story? Like, they transported me in the back of a police van. I'm like, no one will believe me. I have this like clear record. I'm like, no one will even believe me. This is amazing. And I got sent back to South Africa, and one week turned to two, and two weeks turned to a month, and one month turned to a year, and one year turned to two years. Over two years, we waited. And y'all, I was so frustrated with God, because we were going to come back here. We were going to do ministry. And I was like, man, God, you told me we're going to do ministry. Man, God, you're really messing up your plan. You're really messing up your plan. This doesn't make any sense. Waking up every day, today's the day God comes through. Going to bed that night, maybe tomorrow. Waking up that day, today's the day God comes through. I need to go to bed that night, maybe tomorrow. For over 700 days. Everything that could go wrong went wrong. Every complication that is possible went wrong. And I was frustrated and I said, God, what are you doing? God, I don't understand. And in the middle of my middle, God gave me three words that brought me through that season. And it's the secret to the middle. It's the secret to your waiting season. And it sounds so simple, but if you apply it, it's so profound. And he said this, Brad, here's what I need you to do. I need you to work your weight. In this waiting season I need you to work your weight. And he showed me in scripture. You see, 1 Samuel 17:48 this is a chapter later. The Bible says this. This is the moment where David defeats Goliath. It is the inciting incident. This is what takes David from the shepherd's field to actually being king. This is it. This is that moment. Verse 48 says this: As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. You'll see it. As the Philistine moved, David ran. Do you ever like question the Bible when you read it? You're like, why is that there? Why didn't you just say when the Philistine moved, David moved? Like, why when the Philistine moved, David ran? And it almost looks like he was just confident. Running shows, he was confident. And I was like, what's going on here? I was like, one of two things. Either David's like really, really, really good or he's like really, really, really dumb. Like he had no idea what he was doing. He was like, I'm just gonna trust God. Like, you know, those people that are like, I'm just gonna trust God. Like, no matter what, I'm just gonna trust God. And I was like, did he just walk up and like, sling the stone and let it go. And then Jesus magically took the magical rock and directed it, the one that he he missed. Jesus took it and made him hit Goliath. And David's like, did y'all see that? Like that actually worked. You have your swords, I just, he's, he's gone. And I was like, it almost felt like he had a blind faith. Like if I just do it, God will provide. And then God showed me, something else, and it's found in Judges 20, verse 16. And it shows what people were capable of. It says this, among all these soldiers, there were 700 select troops who were left-handed, each of whom could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. That's how accurate they were. Sling a stone at a hair and not miss. (laughs) If y'all gave me a beach ball, I don't know if I could hit one of you in the head. Like they were so accurate. And what I realized was, this wasn't a blind faith. It was a practiced one. This was a practiced faith. He had such confidence because it was a practiced faith. Here's my question. Where did he learn to sling a stone? Do you think he learned it in the palace? Do you think he learned it on Jesse's couch? No. Did he learn it while he was complaining? No. Where did he learn to sling a stone? He learned it in the shepherd's field. Brad, what are you saying? I'm saying sometimes it's the seasons that we're going through where we're waiting on God that He is working in us, preparing us for the battle that we're gonna fight. So when that battle happens, we are ready. When that battle happens, we can go with confidence because He has worked in that. So David says, bring me the lion, bring me the bear. Let me defend what I need to defend because God took me through that and He will take me through this. His past faithfulness is proof that He will be faithful again. He worked the weight. So the question is, how are you working your weight? Man, my marriage feels cold. What could it be like if you started pursuing her like you did when you were dating? How could you work it? Brad, I just don't know if the feelings are there anymore. Well, it's a great thing that love is a choice, not a feeling. So how about we choose it and we start practicing within it and then the feelings followed the choice? Man, I... I... Brad, I just feel like I don't have that job. Well, what could you do using, why don't you use this season where you have extra time because you're not in that job to prepare what you need to prepare so that one day when God does give you what He has promised you, you can step forward with confidence because you worked your weight. How do you work your weight? There's a couple of ways and they're incredibly profound. They're amazingly profound. First thing you need to do to work your weight you've got to Wait. Told you, profound. Real preachers will be back next week, guys. You got to wait, but actually wait. Actually wait. Don't shortchange the process. God is working, He's doing something in your life. The second thing you need to do, again, it's profound. You got to work. You got to work. You actually have to do something. You actually have to prepare. Y'all, I'm so thankful for the seasons in my life where I wasn't up here speaking, I'm so thankful for the times I was in my room speaking when no one could see me, when no one could hear me. I wrote this sermon in a waiting season. I spoke this sermon to my wall first because I had no one to speak to. Have to work. The third thing is this, oh, you need to get in a group. I wouldn't have made it through those seasons if it wasn't for the people in my life. When I was so frustrated, I didn't share this with the first service. I remember a moment into those two years, I was with a friend and he was on a, we're on a balcony together. And I remember a thought coming into my mind, it'd be easier if I'm just not here. And I had to physically walk off the balcony because I didn't trust myself. It's never happened to me before. There are some people here today and maybe you have that exact same thought coming in here. Today's my last day. God, you have one chance. Okay, consider this your wake-up call. God hears you. God hears you. God hears you feel something on that in this this service. I didn't say to the previous service, God hears you. You need to get around people who love you and care about you and who are gonna speak life into you. It's not over. God's not done with you. He's not done. The reason you still have breath is because he is working in you. Fourth thing you need to do is you need to get with God. Y'all, you need to pray. You need to pray. You need to seek him like you've never sought him before. he's Gonna do something through your life. It was in that moment that I started practicing those things, and I wish I said to you, guys, I started working my weight, and two days later, all of a sudden, God started moving like it was some secret pull to a waiting season. It wasn't. Yo, I waited so long, but there came a point where I got a call from Houston, and it wasn't the USCIS, it was Pastor Jeremy Foster and he said, hey Brad, I want you to come to Hope City. And I said, you don't want me. I don't even have a visa. This doesn't even make sense. And he said, let's pray about it. So we prayed about it. And it was a couple of weeks later that God moved so mightily on our behalf. And I was standing right here in Houston. Now get this, the city that kicked me out is now the city that I serve. And what the enemy meant to destroy me, actually God used to propel me. Brad, what are you saying? I'm saying don't despise Because God is doing something in this season and when your time comes you will not walk you will not crawl you will not limp you will run into the battles that he has for you because you are prepared and you're saying if he can get me through that he can get me through this. Work your way. Y'all can be seated. I want to pray for you. There are Some people's here today and we've been talking about this man by the name of Jesus who wants to be with you in this waiting season. And I need you to understand something about this passage, 1 Samuel 17. We sang a song earlier. We sang, you are my champion. Giants fall. You are my champion. That scripture is actually talking about 1 Samuel 17, that song, talking about 1 Samuel 17. And you don't understand it until you understand how they used to fight in the Bible. So the way that it works is they would not send two massive armies against each other and have all this bloodshed and all these killings and things like that. That's not what they did. What they did is they sent a champion. So Goliath was the champion for the Philistines. David was the champion for the Israelites. And whoever won, won for the entire army. And now we can have your army and no blood was shed. That's how it worked. But there's something significant in the scripture because David won against the Philistines and won the battle for all. David threw a rock and that rock connected to the temple, to the skull of Goliath. And when that rock hit his skull, Goliath died and the victory was won. Here's what you need to know about Jesus. This is a picture of Jesus because Jesus is the what of our salvation. He is the rock of our salvation who got crucified on a hill called Golgotha, which means skull. So when the rock, which is our salvation, touched the skull, which was Golgotha, we ultimately won the victory. The enemy was defeated and Jesus said, I went before you and I won and we're trying to fight without him he's already won and the Bible says that if you believe in him and you declare with your mouth that he is Lord that you will be saved not might be will be so if every person can close your eyes and bow your heads if you're here today and you've never taken that step to trusting Jesus we want to give you that opportunity right now so we're going to pray a prayer and we're all going to pray this together for the benefit of those praying it for the very first time repeat off to me and say, Dear Jesus, I believe that you're the Son of God and the Savior of the world. I believe you came to this earth, you died on a cross, and you were raised that I may have life. And right now, I make you my Lord. I make you my Savior. In Jesus' name,